Welcome to Collaborating, the podcast series of the Collaborative for Business Development. And welcome back to Collaborating, the podcast that focuses on all things revenue, best and next practices in sales, marketing, and eliminating organizational obstacles to success. In most of the episodes to date of Collaborating, we focused on sales and marketing. In this episode, we'll turn to the eliminating organizational obstacles to success part, specifically eliminating that obstacle called the wrong corporate culture, or maybe not wrong or bad, but not the one you want to have. This is an issue that we encounter many times, or it's at the root of some of the things we find wrong in sales and marketing. There's a a culture that just doesn't support selling and marketing, for instance, or there's a command and control culture when, in fact, a a more laid-back culture is what's needed. But in many cases, it's just not the culture that the leaders at the firm or the people down the ranks want to have. Have you ever heard someone, usually a senior manager, say, we need to change the culture here? You likely have been asked what kind of culture you work best in when interviewed for jobs. And you've probably asked an interviewer to, quote-unquote, please describe the culture here. But just what is corporate culture and how do you change it? Culture can be defined in many different ways, which is why many firms don't know what their culture is or what they want. All they know is that they don't have it. They don't have the one they want. They can't really define it, and it's it's a problem for them. But if it isn't defined, so how can it be changed? More importantly, can you really design the culture you desire for your organization? So in this episode, we'll try to answer some of those questions. We'll try to get to the essence of how you can really design your own corporate culture. And we believe there's five keys to making this happen. Every company has five corporate culture influencers that strongly dictate what culture it has. So I'll quickly run through the list and then we'll drill down on each one. The first one, the behavioral style and values of the CEO or founder and the senior leaders of the the firm. Number two, the communication process at the firm. Number three, the linkage between firm and employee goals. Number four, the proactive or reactive approach to decision-making, firm design, and hiring practices that a firm takes. Number five, the clarity of roles, responsibilities, and accountabilities, or the lack thereof. So let's look at number one first, the behavioral style of the CEO and the senior leaders of the firm, and included in that, the values or motivations. Now, we've talked at length in several episodes about behavior style and motivation, so I'm not going to go into that here, but it is a key driver of culture. Oftentimes, senior managers look the same, both behaviorally and motivationally, and don't treat people hired under them as their complement, but rather as mirror images of themselves. So in other words, they don't really have an understanding of behavior style and motivations, and they think that everyone's like them. And because 
they've done it this way and they've been successful this way, they tend to look for people like them to hire, number one. And number two, even if they haven't, they assume that those people are just like them. The manager manages according to his or her own style, devaluing the differences and not taking advantage of the compliment. Because certainly, as you'll learn if you go back and listen to the podcast on behavior style and motivations and motivators, valuing the compliment is what it's all about. We all can't be a high, a high D. We all can't be a high I. We all can't have a number one value of utilitarian, that is valuing return on investment. We need other people around us that have complementary values and motivations. But the people under the manager or leader or founder may not operate the same way as that leader. And these behavior style differences are the root of much cultural dysfunction. When managers manage people in the manager's style, instead of using the individual's style, all too often they are left asking themselves, why can't they be like me? So understand and use this influencer of culture to your advantage by understanding the profiles of the people who work for you, by emphasizing the importance of compliment and communicating it, and by creating teams to utilize all the talents, all the styles, all the motivations. So here are some questions you can ask to determine the impact of behavioral style and motivation of the firm leaders. First, is the CEO aware of behavioral differences and motivational differences and does she or he understand his or her own? Number two, how do the behavioral differences of all leaders or influencers within the firm complement or parallel one another? How are teams managed and approached within the firm? Do teams function effectively or are individuals more effective? And which team or individuals is more emphasized? Does the CEO or leader attempt to manage in the employee's preferred style, or do they maintain their own style consistently and expect everybody to adapt to them? Is there emphasis, number five, in the firm on leveraging the complement, or does it value sameness? And number six, when hiring, are behavioral and motivational differences considered? Number two, let's move on to communication process. Here, the staff will often say, we don't know what's going on, while management says, all we ever do is communicate and push information out. Communication styles are closely linked to behavior style. Understanding adult learning preferences, be they written, verbal, experiential, and the frequency of giving information are key determinants in the overall quality of communication in a firm. Breakdowns occur when internal messages vary from external messages. The problem is compounded when employees learn what the firm is doing from others outside the company instead of from inside. You can improve communication by asking employees what they think, know, and experience. Experiment with different forms of communication and develop a company story and make sure everyone understands it. Test your final story by asking everyone in the firm to tell it to you in three minutes or less. So here are some questions you can ask to determine the state of your communication process. First, how does management communicate, specifically the medium, mediums used and the frequency of information? 
How does the firm decide when and what to communicate? Who ultimately decides? What kind of feedback loop is in place to ensure that the message communicated is, in fact, the message heard and understood? Does management know what the employees think about the communication in the firm? Are all employees able to tell the firm's story in one to three minutes? What is the internal firm message about who you are? What's the external firm message about who you are? What kind of forum is there for employees to ask questions or express thoughts and concerns? Factor number three of our five, which is the linkage between firm and employee goals. Employees should be motivated by aligning their goals with the company's financial goals. An outside observer should be able to gauge and assess the firm's values and strategy by looking at individual goals of individual people. Can someone recognize what your firm values are by looking at compensation structures? Do employees know if their performance is helping or hurting the firm? The keys are to be clear about the firm's goals and transparent about progress and obstacles. Be sure to align performance objectives and compensation to the firm's priorities and constantly check for understanding. And please try to avoid one of the top motivation killers that we often see, which is to tie the majority of an individual's bonus to things that are out of his or her control. We see this often where a large part of a bonus could be based on the overall corporate profitability, let's say, or customer service goals when in fact the person is in sales. Now, of course, overall company goals should be included to some degree or can be included, don't have to be, in the the consideration of bonuses and things like that. But you don't want to make the majority of a bonus be based on that when somebody has individual things they need to accomplish and are tasked with, obviously, in their job description during the year. You want to bring home, bring close to their own performance what their bonus is. Here are some questions you can ask to determine firm goals and objectives and alignment with individual performance and rewards. How have the firm's goals and objectives been communicated to employees? What specifically are the firm's goals and objectives for the next year, next three years, next five years? How does the bonus or reward process work within the firm? Can it be articulated? Is it known by, by everybody? And are individual rewards tied closely to that person's performance? If we review our individual's plans for pay and reward, could we understand the firm's goals just by reviewing these plans? How do employees know if the firm is doing well or needs redirection? How do employees know what impact their specific involvement has on firm success? Can employees prioritize and articulate firm goals, departmental goals, and, number three, personal goals, and find alignment between them? How often are employees asked about their individual goals and how often are they prioritized? Moving on to point number four, does your firm take a proactive or reactive approach to decision-making, firm design, and hiring practices? The former is a project planning approach involving visioning, planning, and continually communicating, that is being proactive. The latter, or reactive, creates a fire drill culture with a more random focus. Proactive says, 
we have and follow a process, while reactive says, we can make up a process and focus on what we have to do today. One is not necessarily better than the other, as firms in different parts of their life cycle or facing other exigencies may want to either be proactive or reactive at different times. Once again, the behavior style of senior leaders dictates the approach. Regardless of your choice, culture will be designed by how well you pick the right people to join your firm based on that approach, reactive versus proactive, define your strategy, then execute it and communicate it. Here are some questions to determine proactive or reactive approach to decision-making. How many times does management meet each year to set direction and communicate that direction? What is the process for checking on progress and measuring against the objectives? How often do individuals, teams, or departments meet, and how are agendas developed and executed? Do your people understand meeting management and time management? How do you know? How many people in the firm use a project planning approach to managing their time and efforts? Does every project or department have people in place who are accountable for specific decisions and are responsible for follow-through? What's the process for removing obstacles that may impede any given project's progress? Is your culture considered a project planning one, or would we term it a fire drill culture? How do you decide when it's time to bring in a new hire? What's your process? And let's move on to point number five, the final of our five keys to determining how you can decide and define your culture. Number five, culture will be designed by the clarity of roles, responsibilities, and accountabilities. So do all employees know where they fit in the firm? Do they know who the stakeholders for their function and position are? What will they be rewarded for? What distinguishes a mediocre performer from a top performer in this particular role? Test your clarity here by asking, is it easy when work needs to be done to know who should do it? Is it easy to call a meeting and have the right people attend? Is it easy to map out a process flow throughout the firm? Is it easy to assign without controversy new projects and accountabilities? Guide your culture by defining roles and dependencies clearly, making rewards and accountabilities clear, and giving employees plenty of feedback. So here are some questions to ask about clarity of roles, responsibilities, accountabilities, and rewards. If we asked each employee in your firm, would they know exactly, one, where they fit in the firm, two, what their role is and how it interacts with other roles, three, what their specific responsibilities are, and four, what rewards and penalties are in place for each individual. If we asked other employees about one another, could they answer the above for each of their colleagues? Do you have clear position descriptions, written and communicated? Do you have a performance process to check in with employees on their progress or lack thereof? When something needs to be done in your firm, is it obvious who is most appropriate to do it? Do you know everyone who should be involved and how? When new hires are made, is there clear definition about why the hire is necessary and what the person needs to do and be in the firm? Could any one individual within the firm map out the process for decision-making? 
And so there you have it, five keys to having a corporate culture by design. Again, they are the behavioral style and values of the CEO, leader, founder, and other senior leaders. Two, the communication process. Three, the linkage between firm and employee goals. Four, the proactive or reactive approach to decision-making, firm design, and hiring practice practices. And five, the clarity of roles, responsibilities, and accountabilities. Culture in your firm is by design, whether deliberate or by default. It's critically important to consider all five of these elements to ensure your culture yields the results you desire. Employees will follow the dictates of the culture. Be deliberate and build the culture you've always wanted. And that's it for now. So until next time, keep on collaborating.